0: Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using Muzzle Stick's big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle Stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do clearly marking a gun status, communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzlestick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners head over to muzzlestick.com that's m u z l s t i k.com today to place your order after all we all only have but one life Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is The Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, and Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Busky Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. The federal indictments that have come down against former President Donald Trump. Victor spoke a little about this the other day in his previous podcast episode with Sammy Some more details have come out so we're going to get fuller thoughts from victor on that on hunter biden's um well i should say that the the house um committee has seen some of these fbi documents about hunter biden's and joe biden's corleone family shakedown or bribes from the ukrainians and what else are we going to tucker carlson on twitter Maybe we'll get to China's spy island off of Cuba. Victor, we'll get to your thoughts on all these things right after these important messages.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy,
0: We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So two things, Victor, various images have come out about the Trump indictment, um, some of the grand jury testimonies or investigation, Trump's conversations with a publisher of newspapers talking about attack plans, etc. a whole host of things have come out. So really, I think for the general public, who are not as consumed as by politics, as you are, I are or not so deeply ingrained in conservatism as you and I are. I think maybe to the general voter, these images may be just what Dr. Merrick Garland ordered—a political, harmful political attack on uh, Donald Trump. That Trump that will resonate with um, your your average American voter. So that's just one thought, Victor. I think there's a regardless of the justice or injustice of this, there's a political consequence that we'd like your opinion on. And then just to jump off here, I'd like to read the beginning of the Wall Street Journal's uh, Saturday Wall Street Journal's editorial. It's titled A Destructive Trump Indictment. By the way, I don't endorse this editorial or oppose it, but I just think it's a good jumping off point for you. Uh, Whether you love or hate Donald Trump, his indictment by President Biden's Justice Department is a fraught moment for American democracy. For the, for the first time in U.S. history, the prosecutorial power of the federal government has been used against a former president who is also running against the sitting president. This is a far, this is far graver than the previous indictment by a rogue New York prosecutor, and it will roil the 2024 election and U.S. politics for years to come. Victor goes on to say that the the um, no one should be fooled. Uh, this is Attorney General Merrick Garland's responsibility. Mr. Garland appointed Mr. Smith—that's Jack Smith, the special counsel—to provide political cover. But Mr. Garland, who reports to Mr. Biden, has the authority to overrule a special counsel's recommendation. Americans will inevitably see this as a Garland Biden indictment. And they are right to think so. Victor, I think um, that's dead on. Maybe other things in the editorial aren't. Victor, what are your thoughts now, two, three days removed from the announcement of the indictment?
2: Well, before you get to what the, you know, the journal says that Trump's anti-democratic excesses. But whenever anybody says that, they have to specify what they mean. So i would ask the journal editorial writers what do you mean exactly what do you mean donald trump then took all of these archives out he was careless even though mar-a-lago is a locked compound and he was in a fight with the archivist who and i guess as this happens these are usually civil matters and then they sent fbi people to him okay so is that a is that a What is that? An insurrection against democracy? Did Donald Trump hire a foreign national like Christopher Steele to disrupt a campaign? Was he like the FBI under Barack Obama that, as we know, opened Operation Crossfire? Obama was briefed on it. He knew about it. And he knew that it was bogus. Even John Brennan said that it was a Hillary Oppo campaign. Did he do what joe biden did Did he have one of his mike pompeo was his secretary of state we know in 2020 that would trump order mike pompeo to call up people in the cia and lie and say if the let's say the laptop was was russian disinformation would trump have said okay you guys pompeo you get on the phone And you tell that old Mike Morrell to round up 51 people to swear that it's authentic when he knew it wasn't. So what I'm getting at is that we are we're living through the most egregious period of corruption. And I haven't talked about the Biden family's money processing consortium in our history. So anytime you talk about, yes, Donald Trump's bad, but they did bad things to him and you make that a symmetry, then you have to get the ledger and let's start looking at all the bad things Donald Trump. The phone call from Ukraine. Is that is that what you mean? Or go to this the reckless statement, go to the Capitol and assemble peacefully. I mean, he shouldn't have said it, but is that an assault on democracy like Hillary Clinton using a private server and then destroying subpoena Subpoenas from the Justice Department for her from the FBI for her emails and her devices or hiring a foreign national, which is illegal to go into a campaign and try to smear her opponent and using three paywalls to do that. So that's what I that, that's what is bothersome. The other question is. Is the actual not the Wall Street Journal or people's reactions, but the actual asymmetry. So he has an A, Jack. Uh, a cook, a Navy cook, 10-year veteran. I think his name is Will Nauta. Nauta is a, Greek, um, a Latin word, actually, for sa- uh, seaman. Isn't that kind of strange? He was a veteran. And it's a feminine noun. Uh, it's a feminine-looking masculine noun in Latin, Nauta. But it means sailor. So Will Sailor, basically, worked in the Navy. It was a Navy SEAL, right? Yeah. Well, I think he was a cook, actually. Oh, Okay. Uh, okay. But he became sort of like Obama's bag man. Only, you know, I don't want to suggest anything, but they had a strange relationship. But he was a bag man for Trump. And then he retired from the Navy and he was assigned by the government to Trump. He wasn't working, obviously, for Trump in the White House. He was a government employee in the Navy. So then he goes as a private person. And Trump tells him, puts these here and these here and these here. And he's asked under oath did you put these here. And he said, I don't know. And they're going to they indicted him and they're going to go after him for making a false statement. OK, if you made a false statement, let the law fall upon him. But the man has no money and he's a Navy veteran. And he was doing what Trump did. And he thought the ex-president of the United States told him to do something. And he knows that the people in the government, the Biden administration, the bureaucracy fight with Trump all the time. So he doesn't adjudic- he doesn't know who to adjudicate, but okay. He said that he didn't know. Pause, stop. James Comey went before Devin Nunes' House Select Committee on Intelligence. And on 245 occasions, when he was asked about the dossier, Crossfire Hurricane, he said one of three things, I don't recall, I don't know, I don't remember. And did he have any consequences? That was under oath before a congressional committee. John Brennan went before the U.S. Congress and he was asked, did your agency, you CIA director, did they spy on the staff staff computers of U.S. No, they did not. That was an out and out lie. I think even The Washington Post called for him to resign. He was asked another time. Did this did you have collateral damage when you go order these CIA drones? No, we do not. That was a lie. There was no consequence. He even had a security clearance uh, and he monetized it. And then James Clapper went before Congress has the national security agency as director of national intelligence do they spy on him no they do not and then they they presented evidence where he was flat out lying and he said i don't know i gave the least untruthful answer no consequences whatsoever robert mueller was appointed special counsel by the gymnastics of james comey who leaked I think that was against the law too a likely confidential or not classified document of a private conversation, solitary conversation with the president, of the United States, in which he lied and said that Donald Trump was not under investigation when he knew that that's exactly what they were doing. He leaked it to a third party to The New York Times. No consequences whatsoever. But that dossier and the work of Fusion GPS were the catalysts that prompted Comey basically to go rogue and when he was uh, in the process of being fired to, as he in his own words said, he wanted Robert Mueller to be special counsel. So when Robert Mueller completed his $40 million, 22-month investigation, he too went before the Intelligence Committee, or maybe it was the oversight, can't remember, it's a congressional committee under oath. They asked him about the, I don't know anything about that, it's not in my purview. How about the steel? I don't, I don't know. That was a complete lie. He couldn't have had a committee. He wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for fusion GPS. So my point is, and we could go into Anthony Fauci swearing under oath to Rand Paul that he didn't subsidize gain of function research When every notable. We had Stephen Quay on there and a really brilliant, I thought, interview that he gave us showed exactly how it was gain of function research everybody knew it was he flat out lied he redacted the email but my point is that this administration or these permanent bureaucratic people throughout any administration lie with impunity and it hurts national security and nothing happens and then they take a 10 year military veteran and they they're going to ruin his life and that's what people have to Point out. And so, you know, there's two issues for all these candidates. I was listening, Jack, to Chris Christie comment on it. And I was listening to Nikki Haley. Chris Christie said essentially it's a damning case. And then Nikki Haley said, we got to move on, like, write him off, he's done. And then Mike Pence said, we have to follow the rule of law. And I couldn't believe Mike Pence said, we have to follow the rule of law because Mike Pence was vice president and he took out classified documents and he didn't tell anybody he did until they found out about it or that they had gone after Trump and he had somebody to go look. "Uh Oh, I did exactly what these other guys did. I'm only going to bring it to your attention because you caught them and you might go after me, but I'm Mike Pence and I'm cooperating. So that's the difference. Okay, well, all those people just blew up. I don't think they had a virus. They just blew up their nomination because they didn't have to say that. There was only one response if you were not Trump. Only one. And you had to say the following. I am sick and tired of the asymmetrical application of the law. There's one law for everybody in Washington to lie and to break... To commit felonies with impunity and then to inflate misdemeanors. And we're talking about a civil suit, basically, because most of these archival disputes can be solved bureaucratically. And if they can't, there's civil suits. But they're taking a civil suit and going through every aspect of it and then trying to milk a felony conviction like espionage or perjury, all about an archival dispute. Nobody believes that Donald Trump took those, I mean, took those documents and sold them or gave them to somebody. They they said, well, he was going to, he was going to sell them. No, he took them all out there because we know what he was going to do. He was going to have a, a tremendous, gargantuan, beautiful, best presidential library in the world, and he wanted documents that he felt uh, in that presidential library reflected his greatest achievements, or at least he was afraid that the archives might not have them in the way that he thought would reflect best. Was that wrong? Probably so. But it was a civil bureaucratic matter that could have been resolved without FBI agents. So when when you're a candidate, you have to say, this is horrible. Now, I understand that if you're a candidate and you, you can't go to the next level, because you're a rival of Trump. And the next level is sort of the people on Fox News saying, oh, primary's over. The the American people need to flock behind Donald Trump. They need to annoy him. No, you can't do that. You're having a primary. And if you say something like that, oh, this is terrible what they did to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is completely innocent. He's he's wonderful. Well, you know what Trump's going to do. He's going to take that video clip if a DeSantis were to say that, he's going to take that video clip and do what he does with the nightly Fox commercials, throw it back in his face in two months. So the best thing to do is to be empathetic to Trump by deploring the unequal application and the witch hunt targeting of Donald Trump. And the, right. the, the anybody who doesn't do that and attacks Trump is done for. Victor. And myself, I would never vote. I'm not going to vote for, I would never consider voting for Christie anyway, but I wouldn't after that. I wouldn't vote for Haley after that. I like Mike Pence. I think he's a decent person, but he's got to, if he's going to comment on it and say that we have to follow the rule of law, then he has to preface his comments with, and I myself broke the law because I took out classified information. But what distinguishes me from Trump is when I discovered that because they were going after Trump. And that was the only reason that, I discovered it because I was per- perfectly happy having my papers out of mind, out of sight. I didn't care. But once everybody else was under legal jeopardy, I re-examined me and said, found out that I had a potential, what, felony? Is that what we call it now? So then he should have said that. And then he should have said, and this is not a symmetrical application of the law.
0: You know, Victor, there is a case of someone stealing Documents. Remember Sandy Berger stuck and, in his uh, crouch. Well, maybe he le- he didn't have any room left in his socks because that's where he was he was uh, s- stealing uh, classified documents from the National Archives, a-, a lot of them. And he he ended up he he died a couple of years ago, I believe. But he was uh, he ser- sentenced to two years of probation, a misdemeanor, hundred hours of community service, fine fifty grand. And uh he's he stripped of his security clearance for three years. But this is an overt act of thievery of classified documents. Um, and I think with in the case of Trump and and uh, uh, Pence and for all I know, dan Dan Quayle has some classified documents, you know, in his in uh un, under the coffee table in his living room, it, it, it seems to me that when you leave, office as your president or vice president, this is going to be something that happens and whether it happens intentionally or, or maliciously or, you know, different things. That said, um, uh, what are your thoughts about some of the legal analysts who've-
2: Well, I mean, I, I I really like John, Jonathan Turley. Turley, yeah. yeah. And, and Dershowitz I think, too. You y- know? Yeah, both of them. Dershowitz, I think, is still thinking it's such an outrage, right? I mean, he doesn't like Trump. He didn't vote for Trump. I understand that. But he still thinks it's an outrage of asymmetry. Turley's a little different before when they were leaking. And they always leak, don't they? They were leaking the indictment. And he was outraged the day, the first day and said that they had never done this before. Right. And this was a first in American history of a sitting president's administration indicting not only an ex-president of the opposite party, but more importantly, also one who could be his likely uh, rival in 2024 in the next election. And Turley didn't like that. And then Turley essentially said, as he reviewed the Presidential Records Act of 1978, and I read it too after I listened to him, that The thrust of those those protocols are that these are bureaucratic civil matters, and they apply to the vice president too. So Joe Biden was in violation of them before he came president. He's in violation of of them when he was a senator, and he took them. He was vice. He was in violation as a vice president when he took them out after that tenure, and he was violation of a sitting president. The president of the United States for 20 years has had classified documents without the permission of government in violation of the presidential records office in four different locations and whose number we don't even know. But we do know some of them from photographic evidence were in his garage where Hunter used them and hint wink nod in leftist fashion the inference if you read hunter's emails where he was broadcasting to potential quid pro quo clients of his expertise they contain language that was diplomatized. and so there's an inference that we need to know what i if i was a federal special counsel investigating him i would take all of his emails every one that he sent to any of his colleagues or foreign. Foreign operators, and I would w- do a word search and see if any of them, if there's a data bank of these presidential papers, copies of them on hard online, and see if any of that wording matches. I would be not surprised that Hunter was using official diplomatic language that he somehow had access in to showcase his expertise there has been some suggestion of that already by people in congress and so uh that's so turley getting back to your to finish your question turley now has said he's looked at uh the photographic evidence that was leaked i guess the first day now it's out of boxes slop i don't know i don't understand how those boxes in the bathroom or the closet or any less or more secure i think they're more secure actually than joe biden's garage but he feels that that and the fact that donald trump in an offhanded mind matter said these these were not declassified well donald trump says a lot of stuff exaggerates you know trash talks so i'm not sure that that was anyway he is he's flipped now i think and feels that donald trump is facing a serious matter there's a couple of other issues jack that I think our listeners know about, but Mr. Smith, I know that Donald Trump should not prosecutor. Yeah. Donald Trump should not be attacking a special prosecutor. I get that. But but. There are some you can't have a a special prosecutor to do something that's never been done, right? Never been done. When his wife is a leftist documentary filmmaker and just put out in 2020 an obsequious, toadious, sham documentary becoming, idealizing Michelle Obama. So you're going to have him beyond any suspicion of bias or prejudice to do something that's never happened in a U.S. history and double that. You've never in U.S. history ever indicted an ex-president, and you've never indicted a the main likely presidential opponent of the existing president. You've never done that. And who do you pick? You pick a prosecutor whose wife has made a career of doing puff pieces on leftists like Michelle Obama. And then, you know, there's all these other things that we just, we've talked about, but the president can declassify things, the vice president can't. So Joe Biden took those things out. When he was a senator and vice president, and there was no ambiguity. He couldn't declassify them, and they were classified. Biden had them for what? If you if he left the Senate, Jack in two thousand, uh, early in January of two thousand nine, right? He, he's had them for a decade and a half, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And and Trump's had them for what? Eighteen months. And he was president <laughs> Yeah, so. and, he, and he was pre- and he was president. And Joe Joe Biden is, as you say, is president of the United States. If the special counsel and professor Turley think that this is a felonious act, then the president of the United States is sitting on a lot of felonies because knowingly and willfully he assumed the office of presidency with full knowledge. That he had taken out classified information that was illegal to do so as a senator and as a vice president and further compounded that illegality by possessing illegal classified documents in at least four locations. And he was president. He is president. It's a little different. And then a couple of other things, uh, you know, that are that I think we should think about. And that is that. as I said, these were civil, these are civil matters. And I don't know. It, it, it parallels the Alvin Bragg campaign finance. You take something and uh, you you don't act on it until you you don't act on it, but then you inflate it and you graft it. Or I think Turley and people like that use the word bootstrap. You bootstrap it onto other things. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the other thing. So don't... Obstruction. Yeah, I think that's what... Yeah. Obstruction, espionage, perjury, all of that comes in context with the initial premise that you're taking a civil matter and making it into a felony and then once you do that anything around that civil bureaucratic dispute then you're going to criminalize in a felonious matter and so that that is that and then you know i i know i know the listeners say victor don't recite this again but i'm so obsessed with it i mean these people are all weighing in i just turned on the tv yesterday john brennan is weighing in james comey is weighing in james clapper is weighing in yeah Andrew McCabe is weighing in. they taking victory laps on
0: social media. Yeah, and, and CNN, MSNBC, yeah. and so John Shocked. Brennan yeah. was an
2: ex-CIA director. He lied on two occasions. Clapper did on one. We just mentioned that. McCabe did four times, according to the inspector. Three of them are under oath. Hillary Clinton, two-time what? Presidential candidate, Secretary of State, ex-U.S. Senator. I guess we could do that. She destroyed her subpoenaed emails. She smashed those communication. Remember that? That she smashed the communication devices. Yeah. It was illegally to transmit any of that classified information or home homebrewed server. She no illegal... prosecutor would no. consider yeah.
0: according to the Comey standard.
2: No, only Comey wouldn't. Only Comey wouldn't. She unlawfully also hired a foreign national. I looked up that. That's a violation of campaign statutes to hire somebody who's not a U.S. citizen to work on a presidential campaign. That's what for Christopher Steele and to, she knew that. And that's why she hid it through DNC, Perkins Coe and Fusion GPS, the payments. And then, you know, of course, this is not the first thing. You got to put this in context, Jack. This comes after he was the first president in history. To be impeached twice, he was the first president in history to be tried as a private citizen by the Senate after he had left office. He had 22 months and 40 million dollars of the super duper all-star team, the the hunter killer team. Remember all that stuff? The all-stars we were told the the Mueller people. He's he had. So my point is, they went after him in the 2016 election. And they failed and they got even in the 2020 when they interfered by paying Twitter to suppress. And I think Facebook suppress any information they deemed harmful to Joe Biden. They prepped him for the campaign by giving him this phony letter from 51 intelligence, quote unquote, authorities to refute Trump on stage. And then we get finally, Jack, do you really have to take armed FBI agents in a performance art raid swoop down with a with cameras blazing when Joe Biden is basically hey Joe president you know it looks kind of bad that you may can you just check and there's been rumors that you've got stuff and we'll talk to your lawyers and his lawyers said you yeah, know Joe's got a lot of stuff okay well what do you want us to do uh just send over some guys and we'll talk to them versus what they did to Trump so the whole thing is rotten. And I wish people would start with the rottenness and then after it's rotten, say that Donald Trump didn't do himself any favors. I know the Wall Street Journal said that line, but they didn't tell. And when everybody said he's undermining institutions, I want to know exactly how he's doing it. I want to know exactly how he's doing it. When he was in office, was he using the Trump family to monetize? I don't like what Jared Kushner perhaps did with Saudi Arabia, but he did that as a private citizen after he left office. And if you're saying, "Well, he got those contacts while well, they all do," that's why they go into politics to make the contacts contacts that get monetized. That's what Lloyd Austin was a expert at. Right. So you know, it's it's really disturbing and. um uh, it, I don't know where, where it all ends, but this is how I don't think any American, if any American diplomat, state secretary of state, national security advisor, vice president goes to Vietnam, goes to, I don't know, Jordan, goes to Venezuela and say, I tell you, you got to have a constitutional, transparent society. They're going to laugh. <laughs> They're going to say you're. You're right. copying us more than we're copying you. <laughs> yeah, we are a
0: reflection of Venezuela. Yeah, right now, uh, Victor, I, my own defense about just raising that that journal editorial again. I, you know, I don't necessarily defend it or or, uh, but the the fact that at the outset it was it was. Um, uh, laying this as a political thing that, that the great Merrick Garland, remember how he was going to be such an objective, you know, not a liberal, but he should have been on the Supreme Court. He wasn't a leftist. I can't imagine someone who's more of a leftist in practice than the Attorney General of the of the United States right now. Uh, except well, his boss, the president of the United yeah. States. So. You got
2: all when you when you say the name Merrick Garland, you just have to remember three things. Number one, when he went before Congress and they were asking him why the FBI was infiltrating school board meetings to go after parents worried about critical race theory, indoctrination instruction to their children, and why when we the FBI blew the Sarnoff case, they blew the San Bernardino terrorist killer, they blew all these things that they were warned about. Why did they do this? And it was pretty clear why Garland did. He got a letter from the teachers union, right? Or National Education Association of White Administrators or something.
0: Superintendents of
2: schools. And he he tried to lie about that. But that's why he did it, because that was a constituency. The, The ed unions and the schools are a big constituency. and He knew that and he was told to do that. And so that that was one thing you got to remember about Merrick Garland. And then he was brought on to Congress and they ask him point blank. It is a felony. For people to mob the house of a Supreme Court justice with the intent of affecting a future opinion. And they ask him about that. And in fact, we know that an assassin would-be assassin turned up in the vicinity of Gorsuch's house. He was a trans person. And the only reason he didn't act out on he had the weapons to do it, was that he texted his sister. Apparently, she talked him out of it. And they they asked him about that. Why didn't you protect them? Why didn't you disperse? And he said, well, everybody has a free freedom to protest. And they said, no, this is the statute. You cannot get near the homes of a Supreme Court and scream and yell and try to influence them and threaten them and intimidate them. And he couldn't answer. And
0: then he he, said something like it was, well, it was
2: really the responsibility of the marshal service. Yes, (laughs) the marshal service, of which is in the, I think it's it's a
0: prosecutorial agency.
2: Yes, yes. And so he he didn't do that. And then he was asked point blank, why are you going after these people on January 6th? when the antifa blm rioting of 120 days was coordinated in conspiratorial fashion across state lines across state lines which is a federal felony and entailed two billion dollars worth of damage 35 to 40 deaths 1500 injured police officers looting arson and those are felonies and you had in. There were 14,000 people arrested. Why didn't your office intervene and say, we're applying to these ringleaders, federal statutes of conspiracy, racketeering? Or why didn't you go after these uh, protesters with federal indictments when they burned down a federal or tried to burn down a federal courthouse? Three of them, I think Las Vegas and Minneapolis and, and Seattle. And why didn't you go after them when they stormed, tried to break in and attacked Secret Service and Capitol Police that were defending federal property, the White House grounds. They had just torched the St. John's Episcopal Church, and they wanted to get into the White House grounds and get out the president who was taken away. And then, of course, the New York Times said, Trump cowardly uh, flee, Trump flees. Uh, Yeah, he fled a mob that was committing a felony. And nothing, nothing. That guy, you know, uh, I had a dog. I only take in, I guess they call them rescue dogs, but pound dogs are this morning as German Shepherd came in. It looks like somebody's beat the hell out of him. And all my four dogs came to came to us in those fashion. But there's this I had a dog that I felt bad once he came. And he had been so maltreated or not maltreated. I don't know. Maybe he had been vicious. But every time I got near him, he rolled over and urinated on himself. And I, I fed him. I petted him. I put him on my truck. In fact, if I was farming in the morning, I took him out and irrigated. I put him in the cab of the truck. I drove up to Fresno State, taught for three hours, had him in the truck with a window down. And then we drove back. I didn't want... But I could never, I could never save him and then one day just he just ran out in the middle of the road and got killed like he was going to commit suicide i guess i don't know but that's merrick garland that guy is so bruised over mitch mcconnell's finessing and rightly so uh, that they didn't act on his nomination, he went to every Republican Senate. he beseeched them, he and they just told him said we're using the Biden rule. You got we didn't start it, you did Biden and all of everybody said I'm warning you that if a president is a lame duck president and he nominates somebody in a Congress that is on the way out, we're not going to act on it. And he he never got over that, and he you can see it in his face, right? He's completely crushed. And he's completely spineless, and he's an invertebrate, and he does whatever they tell him. And I, I think he's thinking, "I got this job, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna redeem myself. I got a job; it's as important as the Supreme Court. And I'm gonna do exactly what they tell me." And that's what he does. He's a total lackey. And you know, this is all. I guess this, this is all sort of around what we're not talking about in America, and that is that if you watch Joe Biden the other day with the British Prime Minister or you watched him in a he couple of public He didn't remember Churchill's name, right? He didn't he did not know who How do you remember? not know Churchill's name? He didn't know that there's a Prime Minister in Britain rather than a president, but yeah. he he was stumbling. He couldn't talk. Yeah. This thing I, I keep saying it's occurring geometrically, not arithmetically, but his decline is such that yeah. I, I don't know if he's even going to be alive. He's one more fall. Just one fall from Kamala Harris. I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody should think about that. And I, they like him. What's weird about it is the left likes this because they prop him up and they, they, they unleash him from nine o'clock till two, three or four days a week. They put him on ice for the whole weekend. They write the script on the teleprompter. All he has to do, and he can't do it anymore, is read off the teleprompter. And then that, Expression of a of bewilderment that people with Alzheimer's have. That angry, you know, they get angry because they're angry at, they can't remember. So he goes over and he scowls and he spits out this hatred, you know, like I'm at Howard University and I'm not here just because it's black. But these these people, these white supremacists, you know, it's just it's pathetic. And I don't know, it's very dangerous because when you look at all of our, we'll talk about that, but all of our foreign relations, our allies no longer trust us, neutrals are joining the other side, and our enemies are getting on their hind legs. They mock mock us, and we'll
0: get to that. Yeah, we'll talk about China and Saudi Arabia. And uh, well, let's take a break now because we also want to talk about... um, uh, Tucker Carlson. And how about we do that right after these important messages.
1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
0: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
1: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies.
0: We're back with The Victor Davis Hanson Show. A few things, folks. Victor's official website is called The Blade of Perseus. You will find it at victorhanson.com. Victor writes a ton. It's literally a ton, Victor, if you weigh it all, of original content for the website. They're called ultra articles. You cannot read them unless you're a subscriber. And if you're a fan of Victor Davis Hanson's writing and you're not subscribing, you got you to gotta fix that. Uh, if you're a father, give yourself a Father's Day present. Yeah, subscribe. $5 gets you in the door. $50 for the year. That's victorhanson.com. If you ramble around on Twitter, we'll talk about Twitter in a second. Uh, Victor's there too. At VD Hanson is his handle. Go follow it. And if you play around on Facebook, guess what? There's a uh, non-affiliated, unaffiliated a uh, group of Lovely folks who run the Victor Davis Hanson Fan Club. There's 50, 60, 70,000 members of that. I think you might enjoy it. You'll also, I think, find there Victor Davis Hanson's Morning Cup. So um, those are your instructions. (laughs) Go out, follow, sign up, subscribe. Victor, Tucker Carlson has reemerged. I don't know that he ever went away, but boom, there he is on. Twitter with uh, twice, I believe, this past in the past few days, and uh, gosh, the second, the second, uh, um, I'll call it an episode. He was had about a thirteen-minute uh, spiel, and what forty million people watched? Staggering number of people watched it. So uh, Tucker's back, and what are your thoughts about about that? About him? About anything that you might find consequential here, Victor?
2: Well, uh, I should say just before I start uh, uh, on the ultra, we have not just the two columns I write a a week, but I try to write three new ones every week, right? So so when you get to ultra, I don't want you to pay your $5 a month and go on there and just see uh, two articles that are conveniently located, but you can access them elsewhere. There's going to be three articles, usually about 750 words. That will be there on every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Friday, and only you can access them. And they get, they get kind of viral sometimes. I got, I got a note today. That's what I mentioned it from somebody who sent, sent it out to a lot of people that were on the ultra list. So that's right. something that I, I try to take very seriously. I'm going to be overseas, uh, for almost three weeks. So what I'm doing now is writing, I'm going to try to write nine of them. So ensure that all you listeners that are on ultra have your three exclusive pieces for those three weeks. And so that's, that's there's something. no
0: downtime in the land of Hanson, whether it's not, podcasts
2: not, or ultras. There's no not a, not a few no vacations, pay, not if you pay um, five dollars. Right. right. So where are we again now? We're uh,
0: t- uh, uh, Tucker Carlson.
2: Yes. storming Twitter. I, I, I didn't want I want to know if you want to we're done with the i guess we're done with the trump thing but don't well, well well if you want to... before no. you get
0: to tucker is there, is there anything you want to say about i did mention at the beginning victor that you know these these hunter documents
2: yeah that was the only thing i wanted to mention because yeah, yeah sure the okay, hunter, but, the, hunter, the hunter documents right. We can be very brief jack sure go ahead if there was nothing there and it's a not, it's not classified. It's just internal FBI notes. Then the overseas, overseeing Senate committee, there was no problem. But why, why, why did Christopher Ray refuse to show them? And to the point of being in contempt. Now he didn't care about contempt, at least until the Democrats took power again, because Eric Holder got away with it. He said, screw you. I'm not giving you fast and furious information. It's too embarrassing. And they held him in contempt and he was a hero on the left. And then Steve Bannon tried it. And, you know, he said, I was a special advisor to the president. And I'm, those were presidential confidential. And they not only in, uh, held him in contempt, they indicted him and they convicted him. He would be in prison right now if Trump had not pardoned him on the way out. And so it was it's kind of a serious thing that he was risking Christopher Ray in this climate because the Republicans, uh will find him in contempt and there would be a lot of public pressure saying listen ray you guys started it and you you put contempt of congress into felony territory and so but why did he do it and the only answer i can think of is that that the people who have looked at the two page document are correct that it outlines 5 million to joe and 5 million to hunter and that has been corroborated by other documents that suggested they did get $5 million each, and this is the tip of the iceberg, and Joe Biden then had the audacity to say, show me the money, and you think, wow, you have a lot of confidence in these sham com- companies that in these documents, the Ukrainians are bragging that they have helped Hunter hide these payments to such a degree that no one will ever trace it back to the Bidens. And you must be channeling your inner confidence in that illegality to show contempt to the American people when you say, show me the money. How about having a real? Yeah. Yes. How about an actual prosecutor? Not some phony, quote, unquote, in-house special counsel, but an actual prosecutor. And given the proclivities of Mr. Smith, and given the left-wing fides and the sorrel's connections with mr bragg and miss james and miss willis how about just getting a prosecutor and to make things equal that was a prosecutor uh, in the MAGA administration just get one like that and give him full reign like bragg has and Latita james has and willis has and smith that i'm sure smith's getting advice from his wife about the optics of his press conference, and she's a, an Obama filmmaker. But nevertheless, just do that and say to Mr. Biden, I want every every bank account, every checking account, every bill paid from when you went into the vice presidency to now. And I want to know exactly where you were, what cars you purchased, how you bought your three homes, and how Hunter Uh, existed without any known source of other employment for these years. And I want all the expenditures, and then I want your tax records. And I want to see-
0: And we're going to talk to Tony Babaluski. Yes, Tony Tony
2: Babaluski. Yeah, um, as well as we're going to do what they do with all the Trump employees. They're going to go to every single one of- jim biden and ashley biden and the nieces and the nephews and the daughter-in-laws and their friends and they're going to get them in a room and say you know what this is what we have and we're going to go after you and destroy you unless you cooperate and then see what happens and i don't think he's going to say show me the money he says show me the money because it's he knows there's no consequences so that was but i that's disturbing. And by
0: the way victor you have five million bucks when he was vice president. Yes. Not in the, not in the two not, years after. No, so. no, no, no,
2: no, no. Yeah. Well, Victor. When, when he was vice president. Getting back to. to I just wanted to. Yeah. No, so I Twitter. That. Twitter was. Uh, you know, when he first came on immediately in the 24 hour news cycle, he did his 10. I think it was on Monday, his 10 minute uh, monologue. And he got what, 12? It's gone viral. But I think the initial was 12 million. and. That's roughly four times more than his 3.2 or 3.3 Fox audience. That was in the same 24-hour period. And it has a lot more legs than putting the clips of Tucker on the Fox News site, right? Apparently. Well, they
0: they really don't do that. They do that at Fox very, you know, you're not going to be able to see the whole thing unless you're subscribing or something like that.
2: Yes. So, but, but, so... What was the reaction of the left? They said, oh, he had a terrible studio. I've been to a studio in Maine. I don't know to what degree Fox contributed to it, but I imagine that's going to be used as a studio in uh, Florida. And I can tell you, I've had people tell me that he's gearing up. So he wanted to see how that did. It blew everybody away. He did another one. And boy, that was volatile. It was on the dam being blown up, as Sammy and I talked about in Ukraine. And before you think he's crazy and I don't know who blew it up, he he's alleging that the Ukrainians did on the premise that Crimea is entire almost entirely in Russian territory. And it depends on the goodwill of the people. And, he, and while it may be of some utility to the Russians to flood the front on in that sector, it's outweighed, according to Tucker, by destroying your, the lives of your own people. Not that they're not capable of it, but it doesn't seem as logical. And then you have to add in that Tucker said that. The Nordstrom pipeline was either blown up by the United States or Americans in concert with Ukrainians. I think that's pretty accurate now. I don't think there's anybody anymore who seriously says, as our entire intelligence bipartisan swamp said, that it had to be the Russians not when people were bragging about it, both before and after the uh, bombing in our government. And so that was a pretty volatile second one. He also said something that was very strange. I don't know if you remember, Jack, but he was talking about taboo subjects that we live with the lies and we don't dare talk about them. And these come from people who are so quick to accuse and destroy other people's character. And he just basically nonchalantly, I don't know if people picked up on it, but I, I watched it twice. He just said, you know, and then we had a president of the United States and he had a very strange relationship, family relationship. I think, i.e., the implication was that Barack Obama had been matched by Jeremiah Wright. Mm-hmm to Michelle Obama and that he may have had other proclivities other than a traditional heterosexual married president and that's what he was suggesting i think so I think what i'm so saying goes, is yeah. so he was being volatile and he was daring people to contradict him and it went to what in that cycle it went from 12 million the first 24 hour to over 100 million that, that's oh, wow just, is that,
0: that, that, that yeah
2: i think it was yeah. 100, 112 Oh wow. And he's I guess he's in the business of absolutely rescuing Elon Musk's Twitter, but he also said if I'm censored, I'm out of here. And so there's two issues here. One is that Fox is arguing that he's breached his com- his contract. And I don't know what's in his contract. And it will probably adjudicate whether the contract says he can't do alternate media or he cannot just do alternate TV shows of the same nature, i.e. go to Newsmax or something. So I don't know, but he apparently feels confident that he will be okay. And he may feel confident because Fox has been leaking apparently to news reports. They deny that in their defense, they deny it. But all of these things, but those clips that we saw, and I don't understand that. I don't know whether the clips were being released as alleged by fox people i don't know whether the clips were uh hacked as we know some of them were by democratic connected operatives i don't know if they were actually given to dominion in discovery and they were they were leaked but they didn't they didn't they didn't harm tucker they made him look human he was funny he treated his employees well so i didn't understand that strategy so here we are with this blockbuster uh initial two appearances and where the left says oh the studio was bad oh people are going to get tired it was tim not no 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 you don't, they don't understand this is incremental he had two 10-minute monologues. He's going to have guests. He's going to fly people to his studios for what he did with Fox Nation. Well, he's not going to be for Fox Nation. He's going to have long interviews with controversial people. He's going to develop, I guess, funding or investment. He's going to have the ability to do live view or Zoom or Skype interviews all over the world, just like he did right. on Fox. Yeah. And he's going to create a 30 minutes of video clips, interviews. It's going to be just like Tucker Carlson on Fox, except he's like Prometheus. He's Prometheus on bound. (laughs) There's no I mean, he can talk about Ray Epps all he wants and then nobody can do anything. And if Elon Musk is under pressure, he's got to weigh the fact he's got one hundred and thirteen million new viewers that are tuning in. So I don't know. I do think I've heard rumors. I don't I don't want to confirm them. But I, I do. And I'm a guest at Fox that people who appear on Fox are going to be advised not to be on Tucker Carlson show. I don't know what that means, but a person associated with Fox told me that. We'll see. It's understandable. Well, they they bled 1 million viewers. So in a tough corporate world, if you've got a guy who was your anchor you yeah. that led you here on the West Coast, five, six and seven o'clock, you know, or eight, nine and ten on the east. Man, and same in the Midwest, he's your anchor and he ballooned up the audience and then he handed the baton to Hannity who handed it to Laura. And you look at Laura's ratings, boy, it was 10 o'clock on the East Coast and she was getting over 2 million people. She was getting more then than the 5 o'clock here, 8 o'clock dash uh, slot is now. They lost over a million viewers yeah Um, they're running neck and neck jesse waters was almost passed by msnbc so in retrospect it kind of reminds me of the bud decision the target decision the la dodgers decision and the disney decision i went through jack and i read all the news reports on disney target bud and la dodgers which is just starting in terms of diminish stock value diminish either attendance or subscribers or diminished audience all uh, are diminished sales in the case of target and bud and you add them all up stock sales streamers subscribers and put them all four together and it's about 40 to 50 billion dollars in lost revenue yeah and now you're going to add i suppose you're going to add fox to it and when i Read accounts. The defense of it is there's so many different defenses they can't all be compatible. Well, Tucker was hated by the left who boycotted it, so he only had my pillow. And yes, he had great readings, but he didn't bring as much revenue as he should. Okay, or the t- the outtakes that you saw were not the outtakes that the Murdoch family saw. So maybe he he was more offensive and he insulted the hand that fed him. Okay, I heard that. Or he was getting into Ray Epsk, January 6th territory that was off limits. Okay. Or Mr. Zelensky called the the powers that be at Fox and said, this man is endangering my country. Okay. I don't know if they're compatible or mutually exclusive, but there was a lot of reasons that were cited. And the thing about it, I I would just like to detour here, Jack, about Ukraine. It's your show, Victor. You can detour wherever you want. I think everybody deplores Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Everybody also understands that there are contours that the left doesn't want to talk about. They won't talk about it. And what are those contours? One. That Putin never invaded in 2017 to 2020. He only invades when there's a weak or, or appeasing president. He invaded in 2014 because Barack Obama was a considered weak after what he'd seen in Syria and Libya, and what he had said on the hot mic in March of 2011 when he said, "Give me space, tell Vladimir if he." gives me space, i.e. he doesn't go into Ukraine now, why I'm up for re-election. I will cancel. Basically, I'm putting, fulfilling what the, what the implicit message was. I will cancel missile defense. He canceled missile defense. Putin waited until he was re-elected, and then he went into the border and Crimea in 2014. He did not go, as I said, during Donald Trump's period, but he did go during Joe Biden. So that's clear. It's indisputable. He goes in when there's a weak president. He takes advantage of it. And I think people should should realize that the second thing people should realize is that giving arms to Ukraine to defend itself is different than giving them offensive arms to liberate all of Ukraine back to the pre 2014 borders that is before he invaded during the Obama. Uh, administration. That brings up, Jack, a lot of interesting questions. The first one is, if Zelensky says the war gives him an occasion now not only to repel the invasion of February 2021, uh, 21, 22, excuse me, 2022, but it empowers him now to rectify the 2014 and we we sign on to that then why didn't we ever do it before all these people are saying on to moscow okay but he illegally or improperly or unlawfully whatever term took borderland under biden and under obama in 2014 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22. why didn't the left or neocon right or whoever they are that want to go into why didn't they say this will not stand we've got to give them javelins we've got to give them f-16s we've got to give them we got to get those damn russians out they didn't do it at all they did not do it at all they never said we're going to arm ukraine and they were ongoing theaters of fighting so all of a sudden the mission has metamorphosized from getting him back and making him pay for what he did a year ago or a little old, year and a half ago to making him pay and get him out from everything. And that brings up the next question that requires a little bit of escalation to get Putin out of Crimea and out of the Donbass and the borderlands, then you're going to have to do what? Sink capital ships in the Black Sea. We did that. Apparently, we're going to do more give them F-16s that have capability to go into Russia and attack supply lines. We already know that they're doing that with drones. They probably sent drones all the way to the suburbs of the Kremlin. And my point is that if you collate all the conversations, musings, threats, nutty stuff coming out of Russia that we're going to nuke Britain, we're going to nuke the United States, we're going to use tactical, we're going to blow up Kiev, It's key. I just cataloged them, Jack. There's about 30 of them. And every single one are met with, This is crazy, don't listen to them. It's bluster. How do they know that? In other words, if you start to go into Mother Russia, not fighting Mother Russia when it's in your country, but you go in there to reclaim all of the stuff that has a lot of historical baggage, especially Crimea. It's it was Russian till 17 I mean, it's been Russian without any doubt since the Ottoman collapse in 1787. And my God, and you're going to supply them javelins and F-16s and Abrams and 130 billion? People forget that in the 12-month 12 12 period that we supplied, and now we're up to the 18th month period. So let's take 18 months. In that period, there's four, there's three nations in the world that have the largest defense budgets it's us at somewhere around 700 billion maybe more it's the chinese and we don't know what that is because they lie and they you know they don't we count pensions and healthcare, and they don't but maybe 400 billion and it's ukraine number three at about 130 billion and so ukraine is actually the third best supplied or most invested in military of all the nations in the world the 180 nations in the world this is incredible it's a superpower and it's all due to in some part nato but 70 percent of it's coming the united states and and we're getting into a commitment we've never had before we've never done this before except i guess you say with vietnam but we were fighting vietnam uh in Vietnam, and every time we go, you bumped up against nuclear China or nuclear Russia, we pulled back. So, if there was a Chinese or uh, Russian ship unloading death and destruction against us in the Haiphong Harbor, we didn't bomb it because Nixon or Johnson said, you know, no, 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 we don't want to get in a nuclear. But we've just thrown all that out the window. We don't well, care. So- we're, we're right on the doorstep of Russia, we're inside Russia. Nuclear Russia, and this yeah. this is all beyond transcends the new alliance of China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and probably soon Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. it's all lining up anti-American.
0: yeah and and I assume'll we'll, there'll be an expectation that America and American taxpayers will have to be on the hook for right. rebuilding uh, the shambles once this once the war. Uh, and, and
2: and you know what's going to happen when they lose the Senate and the presidency, somebody's going to appoint a special prosecutor and they're going to look at how much money came from Ukraine. And another thing is that I sympathize with the Ukrainian people. I want them to expel the Russians from the borders a year and a half ago. But... Ukrainians are not innocent. They have been deeply, deeply involved in U.S. politics. In 2016, the Ukrainian ambassador of the United States wrote an op ed urging people to vote for Hillary Clinton that Mr. Lieutenant Colonel Venman who I think still has, uh, Ukrainian citizenship, a dual citizen. He was offered on three occasions, according to his own braggadocio, to be Minister of Defense for Ukraine while he was advocating, uh, for, he was doing things that led to the impeachment of a U.S. president. And so they are, in, and then we don't we, we remember Joe Biden's boast about how he, Damn it, I fired him. Son of a bitch. He got fired. Ha ha. And then we have Burisma. So this government is corrupt and it's been deeply involved in trying to warp and change U.S. foreign policy yeah. in a way that no other country has done that. Yeah. Obador just says, hey, if you're in Florida, vote against DeSantis or vote, don't vote. But he's saying that from Mexico and there's not a lot of clout that he has. This is different. These people are giving a lot of money to U.S. interests. And and the funny thing is they didn't give any to Trump, and he gave them javelins in a way that Obama and Biden, who were intimately involved with Ukraine, at least Biden was, they wouldn't give them javelins.
0: Well, Victor, speaking of foreign policy, there's a little – we're going to run long today, folks, many of you you listeners like that, and we're going to get Victor's thoughts on the – Chinese coming with within eighty miles of of the United States, uh, their friends, our enemies. Cuba. We'll get Victor's thoughts on this, and maybe a little bit on Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, right after this final important message. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Hey, before we get Victor's thoughts, let me get a quick thing in here for Civil Thoughts. That's the free weekly email newsletter I write for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil, which used to be called American Philanthropic. We help nonprofits with their fundraising and development needs. And we help those nonprofits that try to strengthen civil society. Anyway, Civil Thoughts, you can go to civilthoughts.com, sign up for it. I, uh, it comes out every Friday, and I collect 12 to 14 recommended readings, important things I've come across in the previous week that I think people, dear intelligent American, is how the newsletter begins. And if you're an intelligent American, maybe even an intelligent Canadian, I think you'll like the selections. You'll find them interesting. We are not selling the lists, we are not charging you anything. So uh, please feel free to sign up. Civilthoughts.com. So, Victor. Two things you mentioned a little bit, you know, about the weakening, uh, you know, how we're perceived uh, abroad, and there was a story that came out, uh, I think, in the Washington Post the other day about when Joe Biden met with the with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and they gave the fist bump, but Biden was going to, maybe were going to teach the Saudis a thing or two under tough guy Joe Biden. Well, what happened? The understanding is at that meeting, the Saudi Arabian. Grins threatened America, threatened the economy. And looks like Biden backed down from whatever tough guy stance he was going to take. But in the meanwhile, Saudi Arabia has flipped the bird uh, to the U.S. We talked about in our most recent episode uh, forming a navy under the guise of China, you know, that America's role and standing in the Middle East, thanks to Joe Biden and in the world is 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 in a free fall. Meanwhile, Victor, one last thing. Uh, the, Cuba is giving an island uh, off the island of Cuba to China so it can engage in spying activities on the United States. For all well, we know, they've already been doing that. But Victor, right on our doorsteps, Cuba is 80 miles from Florida, uh, wow. Do you think that would have happened when Donald Trump was president? Victor, what are your thoughts on these not unimportant matters?
2: <laughs> That's a T-ball question again. No, Donald Trump would not have allowed that to happen. And this Mohammed bin Salman, this MBS as we're known, he just said, what, a day ago that he was going to wage war on us, economic war. Our major economic pain in this yeah. oil, oil feud. As I said to Sammy, his attitude is you've got more of the dil- dirty, filthy fuel than I do. And you call it dirty and filthy. And you don't want to get your hands dirty producing it enough to support yourself. So if you choose to buy the dirty, filthy fuel from me and make fun of me and call me all these names... Then I'm not going to give it to you very cheaply. I'm going to cut back, and that's going to hurt the world supply. But you know what? If you don't like it, then just pump more oil. You got it. But don't be a hypocrite and say that it's dead and it's doomed, and we're going to all uh, you're going to transition away from it, and da, da And then just beg us and drain your petroleum reserve and beg Venezuela, beg Iran, beg Russia. So it's a ridiculous situation that the Obamas are in. Uh, excuse me, that the Bidens. Administration, the Biden people are in. Obama did the same thing, and that is every time that the midterm came around or an election came around, he wanted a cheap gas, and then as soon as people voted, he tried to restrict it. and Same thing with Biden. He's such a hypocrite. You know, he drains the reserve, one of our key assets, just for the midterm advantage. When he won't pump oil, cancel Anwar, cancel New Federal leases, cancel. Keystone. So, you know, Mr. Saudi Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salman says, screw you. I have, you won't protect me from Iran. You're going to give them the bomb. You trash me. You come over and brag during your campaign that you're going to cut us off and you think that we're terrible. We're a hell of a lot better than the alternative, but you know what? We're going to deal with the alternative. We're going to make a deal with Iran. And that means that All the bad actors in this area of the world, Iran, Hezbollah, the Syrians, Lebanese, Shia, and Hamas, they're all on our team now. We just bought them off, and we're not going to fight these crazy people with the assurance you have our back, you don't. Maybe China will be more valuable. It's very hard to do what he did. Biden, he destroyed the entire Abrams Accords. He destroyed uh, the entire effort to keep the moderate uh, Arab regimes on our side, and he he deliberately made Israel more vulnerable than it's been in years. And I guess that was by direction. And this conveys weakness. So does and as far as the Chinese are concerned, they think like this: We're going to go to Anchorage, Alaska third month of this guy's and we're going to just insult these people because we know we've seen them sort of like Hitler said of Chamberlain. We saw them. I saw him at Munich. He's a worm and he gave me everything I want. And I still would like to jump up and down and break that stupid hat and, and umbrella that he has. He said that. People have contempt for weakness if they're a right-wing or a left-wing dictator. And the Chinese look at magnanimity as weakness they have to exploit. They do not return it in kind. So they sized up Biden from the campaign. And they said in Anchorage, they took Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, and Anthony Blink, and they chewed them up. They spit them, they swallowed them, and they vomited them out. And that was a disaster. And that set the stage. And then the Afghanistan humiliation was, you know, an encore. And they looked at that. And then they looked at the stumbling Biden and falling Biden. And then they thought, you know what? We engineered a virus. And the PL, the People's Liberation Army was the overseers. And it got out. And we sent everybody that we knew was infected to San Francisco and Los Angeles in Europe, but we didn't let them go out of Wuhan. And you know what? Screw you. We're not going to tell you anything how that thing was manufactured or escaped. And if you do, you keep pressing it. We're going to buy off people in the Lancet. We're going to buy off Echo Health. You name it. We'll stop it. We're not going to ever explain why a million Americans are dead. And we just took it. And then they looked at that and then they sent the balloon around, you know, and they thought, you know what, we're just going to take that thing right across Alaska, right across the continental United States. And it's going to we're going to focus on military installations. We're going to take instant pictures. It's going to be a lot clearer, a lot steadier than a satellite. And when it's all said and done, we expect that week worthless Biden administration to find ways to either praise us for doing it or to contextualize this. And we did. Oh, it's too deep. We couldn't have sung. oh, it might have fallen on people. Oh, it wasn't wasn't doing anything wrong. Oh, the pictures wouldn't have been as good as satellites. Oh, we didn't know about that kind of stuff. And they were right. And then they look at Taiwan and they say, you know what? They won't defend Taiwan and so now they've dreamed up a really devious satanic but devilishly brilliant ploy and that is to go right down to cuba and put a spy base right there and violate the monroe Doctrine. and they're doing it for two three reasons they're doing it because they can because they know we won't do anything after everything i just recited and number two they know that it brings back shutters to the american people because they remember some of them and court historians remember the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, and they're basically saying, you remember that the Soviets did that to you and you went nuts and you almost went to a war? Well, here it is again. How do you like that? And that's violate the Monroe Doctrine, bring memories of 62. And then finally, they're saying, "Hmm, isn't Cuba an island? And isn't Taiwan an island? And isn't Taiwan close To us, and isn't Cuba close to you? And don't you suggest that we can't do anything on Taiwan that's sovereign? And we're going to suggest to you that we're here on your version of Taiwan because it is, you know, you think that Cuba has historical ties with you, but we don't. We're going to get a very close relationship and we're going to use it to your disadvantage. And the danger, of course, with appeasement is that the correction is very dangerous and appeasement finally leads to war. But when you have to stop it, then war is inevitable. So somebody better gradually get out of this this appeasement. But that would require the removal of the entire Biden team (laughs) that, that brought us into it. Yeah. I I get really angry when I think about this because I think of all these people I used to sort of know, kind of know, uh, David Fromm, Bill Kristol, Charles Sykes, uh, Stephen Hayes, all of them, Uh, Elliot Cohen. They were all good people. They were all smart and nice, and they were all very hardcore conservatives. And for 20 years... I would read what they wrote and it was all about big military budgets, deterrence, defending American values, domestically small government, low taxes, deregulation, reforms, conservative. And it's just doesn't exist. They just, they just threw it all away and became leftist. They became anti Trumpers for about a month. And then they became Democrats for about a month. And now they're attacking people in the Democratic party that are not woke. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But my point is this, that they empowered this Biden and he's wrecking the United States. Border wrecking crime, wrecking energy, wrecking race relations, wrecking inflation, wrecking interest rates, wrecking low growth, wrecking foreign policy, wrecking. And therefore, they're not only did they allow it and help it, but they're for it still. It's the weirdest thing in the world.
0: Yeah, it's uh I, I I can't I don't know. Is it Some of them the are money, is we it, gotta be it, I don't I don't know.
2: I guess it's what's his name? eBay or whatever he was, Pierre Amador. Am- oh, Am- funding, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. funding a lot of it. I guess you can't bite the hand that feeds you, but it's very it's very strange. It either oh. it's one of two things. It just uh, you know, Max Boots I, I like Max Boot, he was a good friend of mine. I knew him. I when I was a na- uh, professor at the Naval Academy, I I had him there. I reviewed his books favorably. I invited him to the military history working group, but uh, the things he writes are just vicious. Yeah, you know. And I knew Gabriel Schoenfeld was my editor at the Commentary magazine, and I worked with him for years. And he he wrote I don't know, like two thousand words claiming that I was a fascist and anti semite. And so this is. What I'm getting at is not these little squabbles, but there's a lot of people who couldn't just make a basic decision of 51%, 49%, said this this leftist woke stuff is going to destroy the country. And I don't care who it is. We've got to stop it. If you don't like Trump, you can use, say you can use Trump. They could have said, well, we don't like Trump, but we're going to use him temporarily to stop it. Because he's the only one that can stop it for now. And then we'll get rid of him. I Okay, I can understand, understand that if that's your position. But this idea that you embrace it and you right. glorify it is it, just crazy. And it just suggests like, one of two like, uh, things. Either you're being bought out or you never believed it in the first place. And you're happy that you're back where you always wanted to be. Yeah. Or please don't. Oh, it's so nice to
0: have your the people you castigated for years to now to be supplicant to them, so they don't attack you anymore. Because they will eventually; they'll get eaten by by
2: their own. They'll that's the biggest. That's con- the biggest problem with Republicans. Not the MAGA people. They, they don't give a crap, and that's why I like them. But it's always, oh, I'm being, I'm being suffering. The New York Review of Books doesn't treat me well. Oh, there's not a good. Review in the New Yorker. I'm not being interviewed by New Yorker. Oh, I went to Georgetown and there was a party and they kind of looked at me weird. Or oh, my book is a is better than that book, but oh, I can't get on NPR, or PBS, or they don't put me on Face the Nation or Meet the Press. Oh, so unfair that how I've suffered. That's how they they think. Well, you know who suffered under Biden. America, it's 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 Hulario Lopez. It's got an old beat up truck is paying $5 a gallon in gas today. As I speak in California, that has got to go do landscaping or it's Emmett Taylor's poor working guy in a forklift that can't afford to buy eggs anymore with this hyperinflation. That's who suffers, not these grandees. So and that's it's it's all right. Well, we'll, anyway. we'll Let's uh, wrap it up.
0: (laughs) We got to wrap it up. Victor, thanks for all the wisdom you shared. Thank our listeners for doing that, listening. And um, those who leave comments today, I'm going to read a comment not from Apple or iTunes, although thank you, those who do leave them. We read them all. But I I was looking at some of the comments on um, your website, the Blade of Perseus, and someone was reacting to to the piece you wrote about D-Day. We're talking now uh, a few days after the anniversary of D-Day. And you and Sammy on the previous podcast recorded it. A, you had a great discussion of D-Day. And I, anyway, I just thought this was worth it. Uh, David Johnson wrote uh, um, in response to your, your uh, piece. This was an excellent read. Although short and well-focused, the tight language evoked more than what was presented. My father was an 82nd Airborne officer during World War II, gravely wounded during the Italian campaign and ultimately medically retired. I can recall him being treated at Walter Reed off and on during the early 1950s and he would sometimes tell me that he regretted he was unable to participate in the D-Day assault. My father ultimately succumbed to his injuries in 1957 and is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Thank you for this article you know victor that i don't know just kind of touched me and i you know we know so many people died obviously died in the battlefield but david johnson's father and others like him how many men
2: suffered for years later and like his a decade later so i know i I know i i I had that my grandmother's uh my cousin my second cousin my mom's first cousin holt cather was killed right after in the push in the few, next few days and i was on the american battlefield monuments commission and one of the things is you i didn't use official junkets or anything but when i would travel as a private citizen uh i would as a board member i would go talk to the people we were supposed to oversee and and the normandy cemetery uh, i you know and he he was buried in the Patton cemetery in belgium but uh that was bad and that family, the Cather's never recovered from that. And then their other son, my other second cousin, um, Belden, B-E-L-D-O-N, he got dinghy fever and brain damage in the Philippines campaign. He was never the same. He had a bike. He would ride around the ranch. He was really a sweet guy, but he couldn't work and my grandfather kind of took care of him. And then there was, you know, my father, I I don't know, my father never drank. And he quit smoking when I was a kid. He was an excellent, he was a health fanatic. He was 6'3", solid muscle, 210, and then all of a sudden he turned 50 years old. And he, for the first time when he was in his 50s, he started talking about losing this plane and his best friends were blown up right below him or watching a B-29 drop napalm right on top by accident and burn up another beat or... Right. The plane, you know, three planes that parked from his plane, they bailed out and they were all beheaded. They found out when they when they landed and all of a sudden he started drinking and smoking two or three packs of cigarettes. And that's when I when I was when I turned 18, I had gone from a guy who was really. You know as straight as you could be and health nut we had to have wheat germ and solid muscle and lift weights and that's what kept him alive till 75 because the last 25 years he talked about that and he didn't want to talk about the strangers but he would just talk about did i tell you victor oh you have a sinus infection i blew out both eardrums on a mission over kobe and he'd say uh, did you you know we we would just swallow sulfa packets all the time or uh did i tell you the time how i won this medal i went out with a screwdriver in an open bay over tokyo and pried out a burning napalm i never heard of it but he would drink when he was doing that and and he never was the same and then his first cousin who was adopted was killed on okinawa on the last day the last day of sugar may 19th they had won the battle he was killed four hours before they took the hill and he'd fought the whole 20 days and uh they couldn't get his body down for two days, I think, a day and a half. And then my grandfather, you know, he was my Swedish grandfather was when he finally died. Um, it was funny. I was in high school. And I went with my dad and the radiologist. He had mouth cancer from the damage from phosphine gas. He'd, he'd lost a lot of his gum tissues and, and saliva glands. And that finally became cancerous in the 70s. But when they it got into his lungs, so the oncologist said, look at this. This is a very strange cancer. It's eaten up two-thirds of his lungs. They don't exist. (laughs) My dad said, no, 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 no. That's phosphine gas and they had and they got another consulting and guy he said no no these are old injuries he never had two-thirds of his lungs you know right and so uh and his stomach too ate ate up a lot of his stomach because he he swallowed some canned meat that had phosphine on it
0: oh my gosh
2: so yeah you grow up with all that stuff and it makes and that particular article i wrote you know it was a syndicated column so you can't write more than 700 words 730 so it's hard to compress it but Sometimes it's more effective if you can do that. But the other column I write is two thousand words, and sometimes it's easier. I think people should realize it's much easier to write a two thousand word column than a seven hundred word column. Right. If it's gonna, if they're gonna be good, because you have to compress your ideas, right. kind of Like Tacitus versus Livy or Thucydides versus Herodotus.
0: Yeah, uh, it's kind. Of, yeah, it's hard to crowbar the genius into uh, seven hundred fifty words. Well, Victor, okay. that's that's about all the time we have. Uh, I hope our folks, uh, our listeners enjoyed it. And we will be back soon with yet another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson show. Bye bye.
2: Thank you, everybody, for listening.